just, stable, and sustainable world for all life. It's the future that 2020 reminded us we really need. While it can be hard to imagine the huge shifts it will take to get there, one thing remains certain, how essential we are to each other. People to people, people to nature, nature to everything. What Are You Doing Here? is a podcast by the Emerging World Project, where voices for and about our Earth and all of her inhabitants come to you with stories from across the globe. Stories that remind us that we can achieve incredible things, but it starts with each of us acknowledging that we are part of something greater than ourselves. I am your host, Addison Brown. And I am your co-host, Marley Alabanza. People to people, people to nature, nature to everything. Indeed, these connections are the bedrock of our existence. When nature thrives, people thrive. But even when we acknowledge this truth on a planetary scale, it's easy to lose sight of what that means to individual communities and individual people. People and nature find ways to thrive together. Let's not forget what that looks like. No doubt about it, we need to restore the broken bond between ourselves and nature. The status quo isn't working. Despite the best intentions of parents, teachers, and others who devote their time and energy to help children succeed in life, we see evidence of this break in many ways. Decreasing use of national parks, falling enrollment in undergraduate college, conservation programs, and plummeting sales of entry-level outdoor equipment, even bike riding and little league teams, one-time benchmarks of an active childhood, are losing their appeal to youngsters. Not coincidentally, obesity in children is at an all-time high, along with associated increases in diabetes and other health problems, including attention deficit disorders. It's not much of a leap to say that creative, innovative youth hold the key to the solutions for the planetary emergencies we are faced with at this time. We certainly need young people with all of their available brain neurons firing to help solve these problems. Wildlife reserves, parks, and green belts, and the beings and plants that live within also depend on an alert and caring human population of informed people for their continued survival. I'm Addison Brown, and this is What Are You Doing Here? Today we are talking to a young person leading the change, a person whose kindness and renewed optimism through a conscious awareness of her part in nature is just the dose of heartwarming medicine I needed at the moment. Nikita is part of the Youth Climate Save movement. She is an intersectional climate and environmental activist whose work emphasizes internal healing and holistic action. 
She's 19 years old and a student at UC Santa Cruz in Northern California. Please join me in your heart in welcoming our guest, Nikita. Hello there. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Yes, me too. It's finally nice to talk to you in person. Been going back and forth via email and all that good stuff. Yeah. Are you doing good today? Yeah, I'm doing well. Awesome. Well, we are looking forward to talking to you um, about the work that you're doing in the world and especially with the Youth Climate Save San Jose. Is that where you live? Um, yeah, that is where I live. In San Jose, California. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Okay, so um, let's get to chatting. What do you say? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so um, I want to start off by asking you when you think, and I say you think uh, with a little bit of an emphasis because a lot of us don't really have one time that we can pinpoint, but we have a sort of idea. So I would love to to hear when you think you first noticed um, your relationship to the natural world. Um, yeah, like you said, I don't think there was a specific time that I noticed it, but I feel like for as long as I could remember, I was conscious about our relation to the natural world, not necessarily how our actions affect environments, but simply that we are a part of nature. Um, yeah, I've always felt that nature needed to be respected because we are a part of it. We are one with it and we are it, just like um, like a rock, a tree, or any other living being. And mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's the beauty of the way that indigenous people take care of the earth too, because they don't do it solely since it's a responsibility, which it obviously is, but also because it's our um, our only home and it holds so much beauty, power, and wisdom. Um, well, I guess when I was younger, maybe around three or four years old, I would look forward to going on walks simply because it was so nice to be out in nature and experience this beauty and connection. And even now, when I when I go outside to do yoga, once I open myself up to this awareness, um, I realize that I am a part of it all. This beautiful creation, the ebb and flow of life, the general, the power of nature. But yeah, I think one of the main moments that I realized that we should be the protectors rather than the destroyers of our natural world was during my fifth grade in a science camp because um, just being out in nature for so many days made me realize the immense beauty of it and all that it has to offer. That's a really beautiful and amazing insight for you to have. Would you mind sharing with us some of your uh, ancestry? Because you mentioned um, as indigenous people. Oh, um, well, I'm not actually an indigenous person. I just love the way that they respect nature and the environment around them. But um, I was I am an Indian American. So, um, yeah, I've been raised to, I guess, be conscious about the way that we um, look at nature and understand that we're one with it rather than one like separate from it. Wonderful. That's a that's really wonderful to have that come to you at such a young age or an early phase in your life. Um, I'm grateful 
to you for having that and having the ability to share it with other people. Do you think that you had a, um, like an aha moment um, where you recognized that the climate was changing in ways that were unhealthy for humans on earth or actually everything? Um, for me, it was more of a gradual process of understanding of, um, yeah, understanding how our actions affect the world around us. But I think that one of the main ways that this happened was um, in high school, I was taking my first environmental science class. And this this kind of laid the groundwork for me to understand this further later on and change my actions accordingly. Aha, uh-huh. yes. <laughs> so you were given a lot of information um, that was showing you where across the globe things were changing or uh, maybe particularly in California? Um, well, it was in California, so it was kind of um, specific to the region, but it was mostly global, I feel like. I would love to hear... Um, uh, when I was reading your bio, you talked about holistic action mm-hmm. um, and how that's important to you, uh, intersectionality, of course, and holistic action. I would love to hear what that looks like and how that expresses through you. Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, holistic action is understanding that every issue is intersectional. There's no single issue that's isolated and acting on that notion. It's addressing the fact that social justice issues are very tied to ecological issues and not treating them as separate but together because um, after all oppression is oppression. Hate is hate no matter what form it's manifested in and if we can truly understand that then we can act accordingly. And is this how uh, how does this bring you to how you got involved with um, as an organizer for the Youth Climate Save? Um, so actually, this was after, like right after I took my first environmental science class in high school. It was um, probably towards the end of my senior year or like the beginning of the pandemic, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was feeling a little hopeless thinking about all these environmental issues that our planet is facing. So I was just looking at Instagram in case I needed to do anything for our Sunrise Hub in San Jose. And um, this is a political youth-led climate movement. So I came across a post on Genesis's account saying that she was starting the Youth Climate Safe movement to address the relation between our food systems and climate change. And that post seemed like it had appeared just for me because um, actually I was doing something related to factory farming. I don't remember exactly what. And I was feeling a little disgusted and terrified. So for that to appear at that time, it was perfect. So yeah, of course I joined and now I'm part of the movement. So yeah, that's exciting. Don't, don't you love when that happens? It, yeah. It, it appeared. You, you you say you were looking, but actually it was looking for you. <laughs> or you were looking for each other. I love, I really love that um, yeah. serendipity. And I have a sense, you spoke of doing yoga. I have a sense that you probably meditate and I think... Um, I don't know about you, but meditation allows for that stillness. And within that stillness, we get these things that just exactly. appear and they move us forward. So yeah, you sound so like powerful. you're in a, it is, and it sounds like you're really in alignment with that. Um, can you go into a little bit of detail about the animal agriculture and how it leads to 
um, a lot of the disasters that we're facing and, and how, this is a sort of broad, uh, deeper question, then how um, these disasters might help one or um, encourage one to reconsider and make different choices. Yeah, um, so right now, animal agriculture, um, the animal agriculture that's happening is happening on such a massive scale on horrifying systems like factory farms. And these systems are extremely unsustainable as well as extremely inhumane. So by allowing this to occur, we are truly hurting ourselves and the life around us. Um, We are lying to ourselves saying that it's okay to go to any extent to get the satisfaction of taste or profit. And I completely understand that some people have to eat um, cheap factory farm meat so that they can just put food on the table. But it was never their fault to begin with. It's the huge corporations, the meat and dairy industries that allowed these systems to occur in the first place. And with animal agriculture, workers are very mistreated and their jobs are extremely dangerous because they inhale toxic chemicals on a daily basis and workers have even been known to die on the job and the amount of fossil fuels used and the emissions that are put into the air from the system is so large that it's become one of the leading causes for climate change as well as other ecological crises like water and soil pollution and not to mention the effects on local communities. And of course, the animals in the systems are very confined and very abused. So I think that with even the slightest bit of compassion and transparency at a higher level, these systems wouldn't and shouldn't be allowed to occur. But it's with the profit over life mentality that we are compromising our values and now other lives. And I think the way that we can really shift away from this is by spreading awareness about these issues because um it's very opaque at higher levels there's not much transparency so by spreading awareness and allowing people to understand what actually occurs a lot of people would make the shift and even then educating them on the health reasons of why this type of meat and dairy is bad for them that would also make a huge difference I would have to agree with so much of that, um, and I appreciate your ability to um, articulate it. Um, I just have a couple of questions within that. Do you have a way that you're, um, how, do you, how do you gauge uh, people's response? Do you go out in the community? Do you also go out and, and speak with people um, to gauge the response, um, if that response is of compassion or of, of denial or we don't care, or we know this, but I have to eat, or, you know, there's a plethora of, of answers, um, to that. And I'm just trying to, to understand how we can gauge any progress with bringing, the awareness. I do understand that going after corporations is on the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just curious to see from your perspective um, if you're seeing how people respond and, and, and if that is progress itself. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely. I feel like to begin with, though, um, food has such cultural importance, so it's very important to um, people. So we have to be a little careful around these topics, just so that um, they won't feel as if we're insulting their food, their culture. And um, I feel like one of those ways is just to approach it lightly and see what they think about. And if they give certain reasons, always back it up with scientific evidence so we don't seem like we're trying to get in their way and be insulting about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's progress just to see that um, these people are becoming more conscious about their decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like um, images of animals in distress and in those situations are helpful yeah i mean for me that was first how i discovered how inhumane these systems are by seeing these animals that are so abused on factory farms um i feel like that kind of instills a sense of compassion for these animals and people but also if like too much of it it can get a little heavy it is like very heavy on the mind Right. It is. It is. We see when you're on social media, you'll see lots of images of really pretty images um, Mm -hmm. highlighting, you know, the beauty of of the animal kingdom. And then you'll see um, extreme images. So I'm I'm just Mm -hmm. curious as to what people are what you're noticing people are responding to, but it sounds like you responded to an, uh, the images of, of suffering and, and that has, you know, nudged you and awakened your compassion. So I'm happy to hear that and hope that that's what's happening when those images do go through people's feeds. Yeah. Um, so I, um, I, I also in your bio, I loved that you talk about um, internal healing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I would love for you to just maybe go into that a, a little deeper. Are you talking about perhaps uh, understanding your trauma and healing that trauma? Or what, what are you speaking of when you, when you talk of internal healing? Um, it's more so, happen? yeah, it's more so about internal connection. And I think that, I mean, that we need to heal ourselves from within to heal ourselves from without. And what I mean that by that is that right now, we're so disconnected from ourselves. We don't understand what we need, what we want, and what others need. And even just in general, like before the pandemic and even now, we have such a fast-paced life and we just keep going and going until we realize that we're so worn out that we don't even know ourselves. And if we can't know ourselves, we can't truly love ourselves. And if we don't love ourselves, then how can we love another? So it's this lack of understanding and compassion, this almost unconscious way of living that I feel manifests itself physically as hate towards other life and other beings, which is why we as a race have no respect towards nature. And I think by internal healing, what needs to happen is that we need to simply pause and become aware, aware of ourselves, our needs, our principles, our beliefs. And once we do that, we will directly become more aware and perceptive of the needs of others. 
And if we can extend ourselves to that, then we can truly start caring for the world around us. So yeah, that's what I mean by internal healing. That's how our internal state can become very physical and that is where we need to change. You are listening to What Are You Doing Here? We'll be back in a moment. When you go out and start your day, uh, what does that look like for you in, in terms of self-care practices or um, nature practices or just what sort of daily activities do you encourage for yourself and others? Um, yeah, so one of the main things that I do is, I think we touched upon this, but every morning after I wake up, I love to go outside and to do a yoga and meditation practice. Um, mm. Actually, I highly recommend Boho Beautiful as a starting point. That's where I started. And it's a YouTube channel, and they're such amazing people. And yeah, so this practice really allows me to connect to myself and awaken every part of my body, my mind especially after um, sleeping overnight. So as well as just understanding my needs for the rest of the day. And yeah, something else that I love to do is to draw. So yeah, that's also something that I do a lot and it's very therapeutic. That's so wonderful. That is so wonderful. Yeah. Do you ever, I love that you meditate and do yoga outside. Mm -hmm. I meditate outside but I, ha- I haven't done my yoga practice outside. Um, thank you. You have reminded me to try that. <laughs> yeah, it really allows like for a sense of connection to like the nature around you too. Right, right. A very uh, intention is important here, would you say? Mm-hmm, definitely. So um, you mentioned um, sunrise. Did you say sunrise politics or sunrise um that you were a part of? Yeah, Sunrise Movement. Can you tell me a little bit about that and what was your involvement? Um, yeah, so originally as I was learning about these issues, the first, I really wanted to take a step and do something about it. So I discovered the Sunrise Movement at that time and I reached out to two of my friends, Ragini and Benita, and we all decided that we would start a hub of the Sunrise Movement in San Jose. So yeah, I. Um, Along with them, I founded that hub in San Jose, and we've, we just tried to do different campaigns and projects, especially during COVID. We tried to um, do like a COVID relief fundraiser and things like that. Um, yeah, now that hub actually transitioned to Sunrise Silicon Valley, but I took a break from that, so I'm not a big part of it right now. Are you spending more time with Youth Climate Save? Yeah, Youth Climate Save and just like other projects in general. What kind of projects? Um, so one of them is there is this device that I wanted to create, and um, it's part of this organization called Regenerative Futures. So I thought of this idea where I could create a device that power um, that provided um, very affordable clean energy to um, people that need it in um, like areas without 
access to these kind of things. So it's a it would be a handheld device and it would um, be based on heat energy. So I'm trying to figure out that. And oh wow, yeah. And another thing is, um, so there's this event that I'm organizing at Koi 16. That is the UN Climate Conference of Youth. So that is also on food systems. So. And so with your device, are you working with some friends or people in your community or family or where do you come um, up with these idea? Um, actually, I was just thinking one day and then I decided that I would do that. And I saw these, I taught myself these physics concepts and I decided to do that. But now um, I'm going to be provided a mentor from Regenerative Futures to work with them amazing Thank that's you. amazing that is really amazing Thank so you. it's an idea that that just came to you and of course like we were talking earlier you have that space you've created that space for for ideas that yeah. um, can provide solutions that's really Thank wonderful that's really you. wonderful are you going to school at the moment um so i'm actually currently on a UC campus, UC Santa Cruz. So um, for me, it starts on September 23rd. So, um, wow, I could I could really go in a lot of different directions, um, but I wanna open this up a bit with um, when you look at, when you have a vision for the future, I, I hear that you see ways that we can get there and your innovative ways are the ways that we really need to be listening to. And I'm really, again, grateful for the presence and your presence of mind. Um, what do you envision for our future? How would you like to experience it? Yeah, I guess one of the main things that in the future that I wish to experience is where everyone has a sense of compassion. Everyone understands their place in this world that beneath our circumstance, our race, our gender, and any other division that we create or choose to dwell upon, that we were all created equally. And um, this is something you see a lot in Western culture. It's this isolation, this separation mentality where one person, a group of people, or even a species is always seen as better or prioritized over the other. And it's this mindset that has placed a veil on reality, which is why we tend to view ourselves as separate from all others, including nature. So in my future, I hope that we can get over that mentality and place a deep value on principles of love and compassion. And if we all truly believed in those principles, then why wouldn't we extend this to our natural world, right? So yeah, with the turnaround in our value system, certain systems in society as well, I hope that we can really strive to live and let others live. And with that, we can simply allow ourselves to be without ulterior motives, any reason for denying reality, we can simply be. Where do you think that competition um, as a species that is hugely competitive Mm -hmm. excessively competitive how do you think that fits in and how uh, how do you feel that I understand that um, a, a change in values or, or at least a really deep look at our values and changing those values um, needs to happen um, 
but how do you feel about competition and how that plays in it when you have people that use competition as a way to um, elicit and understand their own self-esteem and maybe better themselves and bring themselves out of a certain um, you know, situation in their life. Mm-hmm. So it has a positive effect there. But it seems to me, and I'd I love to hear what you have to say, but it seems to me that that just explodes, you know, that we mm-hmm. just never, ever get enough, that it's not gold enough. It's not big enough. It's not enough. It's never enough. And so that mm-hmm. not enoughness is part of the separation that you're speaking of, because we feel separate from the abundance that is. And then we develop a not enoughness because we have no idea what this abundance is. I'm not even certain we have any idea of what's going on here, but we're still here. So something is happening, right? I'm thoroughly surprised that we still remain um, in existence when we have the power to um, take ourselves out for not such a pretty term, but Mm -hmm. we have that power, but we've not done that. Yeah. So something something is here and that something is keeping us here. Um I may have lost my question in here. Oh, it had to do with competition and and where do how do we learn to perhaps tone that down so that we can change our values and shift towards um cooperation instead of competition? Um, Yeah, I think it's actually the other way around. I feel like with our values, we can remove our sense of competition. I don't know. I think that a lot of times we let our egos run ourselves the way we act. And so letting go of the idea that we are superior and whatever needs to happen needs to benefit us in some way or it's not useful. Letting go of that idea will allow us to let go of the idea that in we need to compete to any extent to get what we want. I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just um, allowing ourselves to be kinder to um, both like other people and ourselves, um, it would allow us to get rid of the mentality that um, it's everyone for themselves. It's really, we're all taking care of each other. If we, if you observe the environment, um, any ecosystem, it runs in, interdependently connectedly with each other and that's how we as a species should act too right right well there's a lot of every lesson is is within nature isn't it yeah i mean our technology is is nothing compared to the technology of nature (laughs) i don't know about you but i open my eyes and I am on my meditation cushion um, so that that flow just flows, right? So that I get that flow going because with so much information coming at us, um, it's easy to just pop right back into what we're doing when we wake up. Um, So Mm -hmm. um, I appreciate your wisdom. I'm sure I've said that uh, many times, but I, I, I greatly appreciate it. Um, so thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, here's a little fun question. <laughs> if you had one billboard, then you could spread a message to people across the globe. What would that billboard say? Um, 
something along the lines of um just understanding that like we are all one so choose love or choose compassion i love that thank you is there anything you would like to to uh expand upon um i guess just a message to everyone would be to focus on internal connection and awareness and whenever people feel hopeless we need to understand that if we connect to our our morals our principles our values then um things will always go the way that we want them to and even if they don't then that means um if things are not okay right now that means it's not the end and um they will just get better did you have any spiritual or religious upbringing I guess I had some spiritual, like, ideas taught to me. Do you feel like there's a, um, you're, you have a calling or a sense of, um, purpose? Or that you recognized your sense of purpose? From a young age, I always thought that my sense of purpose was something related to the environment. But as, especially through the pandemic, as I, um, was able to connect more to myself, I feel like it's instilling a sense of compassion in people. Mm, that's a wonderful observation. Yeah. During the pandemic, you used that time to go inward? Yeah, it was like the first time I really stopped um, doing and started being. Mm-hmm. It's kind of amazing. You're a little amazing. <laughs> I know people, you know, have been on this planet for a very long time. Um, and are just getting that, but that's okay. We're all in different, we're all in different places at different times. Yeah. Um, I, um, had a question to you about, oh, about food and cultural food and, and eating and perhaps when you, um, if you are practicing veganism, when did that happen for you? Um, well, so I was raised a vegetarian, so we never consumed eggs or meat or anything. Um, but as I figured out about these systems, it was it's more of a transition into finding foods that are more sustainable. If it's not completely possible to eliminate certain things, or if it's a cultural cultural thing, then at least find the thing that is the most sustainable and the most um, um, compassionate that you can get. So, yeah, it was mostly a transition. I started changing, for example, cheeses out for vegan cheeses. They're always vegan alternatives. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and even like milks, you can change them out with. Um, I drink soy milk, so things like that. And um, how old are you now? Um, I'm 18, almost 19. So you're the entire, your entire life, you were vegetarian, and you're, mm-hmm. so you transitioned cheese and eggs out to be vegan is that correct yeah i mean i never ate consumed eggs but yeah aha uh-huh. i love this transition period because um so much is happening within each culture um mm-hmm. and a lot of them i can't speak about because i don't know but i do know that mm, culture weighs heavily on a lot of the decisions we make yeah so are people in your in your family and your community transitioning? Um, well, I guess in my community or like within my friends, I kind of just talk about these things. Um, 
one of my friends is actually also doing the same thing. So she's also vegetarian and she's currently um, replacing um, cheese and things like that and milk. Um, but yeah, my um, within my family, we also have done that. That's really nice. So you don't have to feel alone. Did you get any backlash? Um, not necessarily. I mean, mm-hmm. it's my family is very supportive. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. I want to thank you for taking time from your day to come and speak with us. We we always love to hear voices such as your own. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for stopping by. You can help us spread the word about what are you doing here by sharing this episode or leaving a review in your favorite podcast app. Reviews help potential listeners see that our show is worth their time and every single one makes a difference. For a deeper look at what the Emerging World Project is up to, head on over to emergingworldproject.org. The Emerging World Project studios are on Tongva land. And remember, friends, be the light in the room.